It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast at bze.org.au or 3cr.org.au and your favourite podcasting app, of course. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter with the tag at Show. My name's Michael Steindl. I'm joined by my co-host, Laura Perry. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Laura. And apologies from Kay, who uh, was rock hopping on a walk down past Joanna Beach and fell and hurt herself pretty heavily and just can't walk at the moment. Today, we're talking with Rowan Doyle and Miriam Robinson. Rowan Doyle is MD at Efficient Initiatives, which is formed from a number of Victorian businesses dedicated to helping people to reduce their energy consumption while making their homes and businesses more comfortable. Rowan's a mechanical engineer with postgraduate qualifications in thermodynamics and management and worked for BHP Billiton in a variety of roles in Australia and overseas. After BHP, Rowan helped to form SREC, a leading Australian commercial renewable energy developer, and then formed, as I said, Efficient Initiatives, a company aimed to helping optimise cost, comfort and climate outcomes through reducing energy demand. Miriam Robinson, who lives in a three-storey 92-apartment block, has a good knowledge of renewable technologies and her ambitious long-term goal is to get the site completely carbon neutral and off the grid, and Miriam's case study today. She joined the Owners Corporation two years ago to improve the energy efficiency in the building. They engaged an energy consultant to undertake the audit and see what could be done. Good morning, Rowan and Miriam. Thanks very much for making the time to be with us today. Good morning, morning, Michael. Good morning, Laura. So, Miriam, what was the first stage of this project once you got the um, Owners Corporation agreement? Well, we looked into a lot of different options because we really had no idea what we were doing at the start. We just knew we wanted solar panels on the roof. So I talked to a lot of different companies and it wasn't until um, we got hooked up with Rowan that things really got moving because we didn't know where to start. So Rowan gave us a, a good idea. He said, break it up into small pieces. That'll be the best way to go about it. So the first thing they did was an energy audit for us to find out where our energy was going, how much was being used, what it was costing us. They did the sums on how much money we could save uh, if we put in some energy-efficient lighting, uh, changed a few things around the building, and then we could put to the Onus Corporation uh, that we, if we did this project, uh, we'd be saving $7,000 a year on our electricity bills. So once that was... Uh, once they saw those numbers, they uh, they were pretty easy to convince. And what was the initial cost of the project? So the whole project cost us about 25000 mm-hmm. That's including replacing all our lights with LEDs, redoing our car parks. We've got two big car parks. They were all fluorescent lights that were on 24 hours a day in the past. Now we've put in LEDs that have got motion sensors on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a pool pump. The building's about 20 years old, so our pool pump 
was have a swimming pool. The pool pump was just about on the way out, so we got a new one of those that was much more energy efficient. And the actual panels and inverters and all the rest of it cost us about twenty five thousand. Mm-hmm. So about a three year payback period. Yeah, we're saving seven thousand odd on our electricity bill every year. So yeah. yeah, fantastic. And so, how was the initial proposal received? The committee um, were pretty good. Rowan put a terrific proposal together, which was very impressive. Uh, you know, lots of all the every single detail about the technical components of it, exactly what it would cost. I think that was very important. We'd had proposals before from people with spelling mistakes and all that sort of thing, and the committee just, you know. Uh, but does, once the it gives you confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, it does give you confidence. Now, Rowan put a very professional proposal together. He came along to several meetings with the committee themselves, and they fired him with all sorts of questions. You know, there's a couple of guys on the committee who love all that technical stuff, and Rowan was able to hit every ball back across the net very convincingly. So, once they'd met Rowan, they'd seen the proposal. They were they were actually pretty pretty comfortable. So this is three stories, 92 apartments mm-hmm. in Carlton, Melbourne. In North Fitzroy, yeah. Okay. And how did you fund the project? We took the money out of the bank. We um, <laughs> we took half of it out of the – I don't know how, if you understand much about apartments, but they usually have a maintenance fund and a capital fund. So you have your day-to-day expenses and you have your capital works if you need something done. So we took half of it out of the capital works fund. So the lights, the um, pool pump and all that sort of stuff, we could – pretty easily justify taking that out because a lot of our old lights were getting broken and, you know, they needed replacing anyway. So the half the money came out of that and the other half came out of our working fund. So it, we could afford it with our budget. So um, apartment, apartment dwellers in general have a problem with being able to participate in, in going renewable um, because of the, the problems that they don't own the roof often, and mm. even if they do, it, it's all the, the problems of the common area. What advice would you pass on for, to get a project like this up? Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of obstacles for apartment buildings. Part of it depends in part on the shape and size of your building. High-rises are not ideal because they use a lot of energy for lifts and lighting and all that and have a very small roof area. Uh, we are lucky that we have a large roof area and no lifts and no lights. So first of all, have a look at the shape of your building. It's possible that it might not be suitable. If it is suitable, the best thing you, you can do is to get hooked up with the right techie, which was what happened when we uh, met up with Rowan. Um, to find the right techie, uh, you could go through the yellow pages or Google it, but it's better to talk to people who already know such as your local council, uh, there's the Moreland Energy Foundation, the Yarra Energy Foundation, people like that, and Smart Smart Blocks. There's an organisation called Smart Blocks who specialise, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they are there to, for the very purpose of doing this and they can connect you with techies, advice, all, all the things you need. Mm. So you've got your LEDs changed or your halogens changed, mm-hmm. uh, your solar on the roof, pool pump. Uh, what's next? Is there a project coming up? Is there more to do? Yeah, so the um, getting energy, f- uh, solar energy for the common areas was, um, was a fantastic first step, but I always wanted – my vision is to get the whole apartment off-grid. Whenever mm-hmm. I say that, it, it <laughs> flips the people on the committee out. They say, no, no, but, but one of these days – so the next stage, we did go through a process of uh, improving the energy efficiency in the apartments first, in the actual apartments themselves. We had some people come around and, and have a stall in the foyer to do lights and all that. So that bit's more or less been done. So the next thing now is energy for the apartments themselves. Now, there's a couple of problems with doing that in an apartment block. 
we didn't want everyone popping up their own solar panel systems on the roof. Uh, we didn't want strange people wandering about doing things at odd hours and people move in and move out and who, who no, 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 no. We wanted to maintain control over it. So the plan is to put a sort of a like a mini solar farm up on our roof. The trick, though, is how do you share the energy equitably? Mm, fundamental we, problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the problem. How do you make it fair for renters we always wanted to make it equitable so renters could participate you don't have to be an owner to be able to do this how do you do it so that it doesn't break the bank pays for itself shares the energy and is fair it's not easy so we looked at embedded network uh, an embedded network at first but there's a high upfront cost of putting in an embedded network it's about sixty thousand dollars for us to replace all what, our what do meters. you mean by an embedded network okay so an embedded network means you get a retailer to come in they put in all their own meters, they and then they you then become their customers, and the, the electricity bills pay for everything. But there was a big upfront cost to that, and we didn't like the idea in some ways of being captured by a retailer. We wanted people to have more choice. Mm. Uh, there was also an issue that you'd have to have at least eighty or ninety percent of people on board in the system to make it commercially viable. And again, we thought, oh dear, you know, not everyone's going to want to do it. Um, so we're looking at the moment, we're working with a group called Alum, which again, Rowan's put us onto, um, and they're going to trial a new system, which will help us get around the meter problem. We can actually have a little gadget that will help us share the energy from the solar panels without having to replace all our meters. It's very exciting. I'll let Rowan tell the details of that. Yeah. So... Okay, Rowan, over to you. Just um, stepping back to the start of this project, tell us about it from your point of view. Well, I have to say it was it was really refreshing to come across Miriam and her owner's team. They were open to ideas and having Miriam particularly on the owner's team was fabulous because she was a real champ. She was driving mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing. We went in, did a quick look around, realised that there were significant opportunities for energy efficiency savings first before the solar. And this was looking just at the common areas. Is that one of the bits of advice you left out, Miriam, that you need a champion as well? <laughs> oh, it, it, you've got to have a champion. Yeah. You've got to have someone who really yeah. wants it to happen because there, mm. there will be frustrations and, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted your own. No, no. Yeah. Uh, so, so we looked looked around, realised there were some significant energy efficiency opportunities, and and in fact they were bigger than what we realised. And I guess that was one of the the learnings. It was only after we put on detailed metering that we one of the things we realised that there was a chunk of power just disappearing into the exhaust fans in the car parks that mm. were on twenty four seven because one of the a number of the sensors had died over the years. Mm. And it's these sort of things, these sort of little um, learnings that you find out only once really you, you start to really scratch under the covers that in, in, in a lot of ways make that they made the payback even shorter than what we thought it was going to be. So the old thing, you can't manage what you don't monitor. And, Absolutely. And so you started monitoring it. Yeah. yeah. So that look, the, the changing out of the car park lights with motion-sensed um, LED lights, everyone's it's a no-brainer. Doing, doing those, yeah. and, and they really are a no-brainer. The, mm-hmm. the payback on that was incredibly short. Um, we worked quite hard on, on the pool options, um, mm-hmm. and in fact that was an interesting one. We, we tried to persuade the owners' corp to, uh, to put on a pool cover, and, and unsurprisingly they, uh, they decided that wasn't a great, mm-hmm. uh, a great idea because their pool looks 
fantastic. Yeah. It, it's a lovely community. Oh, so not the hassle of taking it on off, just the, the aesthetics. And, yeah, and, and it, was and it is a, the hassle. a hassle to take We're it also on a bit off. worried about safety. We've got children. We're a bit worried about a child becoming trapped under the pool blanket. We just thought, mm, no. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and, but, but changing out the pool pump made a significant difference. And so yeah. once we'd done those energy efficiency things, the amount of solar PV needed to reduce the daytime consumption was was not that large. So just on the pool pump, was there a particularly efficient pump that you... Yes, yeah, there, there are. The older style pool pumps um, are fixed fixed speed drives. Yep. There are newer, newer style ones with variable speed drives, great controllers, mm-hmm. um, and that also enabled them uh, or enabled us to program the pool pump to run during the day. So in the past, it had run... At mostly at night time, which the residents didn't particularly like because there's a mm-hmm. drone of the pool pump in, the, in yep. the background. And now it runs during the day when the solar's out and effectively costs them nothing to because run. Because it's, so it's, it's better to use your own power than to mm-hmm. give it back at six cents. And, it's and been a multiple win from, from a few of the points of view. And, and also, as Miriam mentioned, one of my backgrounds is I've been well involved in maintenance and maintenance management systems. And really bringing the focus of the life cycle of bits of equipment in a facility mm. so so that you are not just replacing new things with even newer things. You're saying, what's what's about to die over the next few years? And that then really helps the budgeting process because it means you've, you're actually looking, as Miriam said, at not just a capital budget. You're also saying, well, we've got maintenance budget. We've allocated to, to replace these lights or, or whatever that's getting close to the end of its life. Mm. So it, it was really bringing in a really holistic view. And then, as I said, the solar PV is, is almost the, the top-up bit. You're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions Science, Technology and Solutions show, and we're talking with Miriam Robinson and Rowan Doyle, uh, discussing the energy efficiency of apartments and the solutions that they've implemented. So, Rowan, this Smart Blocks website that we started to talk about before, can you tell us more about that and and the Smart Block program? Smart Blocks was an initiative coming out of a number of the city councils and the Moreland Energy Foundation and Yarra Energy Foundation that that was really to try and help people like Miriam and uh, owners' corporations to learn from each other and... Um, and to, to do energy efficiency and solar PV in in um, both high-rise and low-rise shared dwellings, um, com- common and, and common areas. It's been going for a few years. Um, one of the really nice features of it is that I've seen is that it does focus on what I think is the biggest challenge, and that's bringing the community along, mm-hmm. because it's in a lot of apartments there is. One or there are one or two people who are passionate about about the environment and reducing energy, and then there's a lot of people who are maybe vaguely interested, but they've got their own lives. So, how do you bring people along? And that's one of the really nice things about the Smart Blocks website and program. It mm-hmm. does focus on helping to bring people along. The ATA are also quite involved, and there was a great um, show which I think BZ and E were at as well at the Melbourne Town Hall earlier oh, yes, this yes. year. Yep. Uh, with the ATA and Smart Blocks and BZD, etc. Mm. We gave a talk, didn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, back onto Smart Blocks and the educational sense of it. How how is that received? Has it been positive? For example, are people implementing things like power shifting, or is it a little bit too much for some people? Look, 
I, I, to be truthful, I think it hasn't been as big an uptake as they would have hoped, mm. and at least initially, because it is hard. Mm. It's hard for the owners' corporations. Um, and uh, in a lot of cases, the, the low-hanging fruit, particularly the lighting change out in, in car parks, has already been done. And in the case of Nicholson Gardens, that was one of the benefits that we, we had. We had a, a chunk of a very rapid payback money that could help some of the slightly slower payback money when it was put in, a, in an overall package. Mm-hmm. Now, the overall package is the benefit, but if you've already taken the, the shortest payback period... It's a little harder to sell away, it. It can be a bit harder yeah. to sell. I think yeah. the biggest value of it, it is, is networking. First. Because uh, a lot of people don't know where to start. I actually met a woman last night who said, oh, I want to get my owner's corp to put solar. What do I do? And I said, ha, I go and have a look on this website, mm. ring them up, get some contacts. They'll help you. They'll steer you in the right direction. So there's a lot of that because people don't know where to start. I have to say one of the other things that was really nice to, to see and to work with, with Miriam and Tank was just actually seeing the community come together and seeing them working together on a problem or, or on a challenge over a, a, a year or two. Um, it was. It's been really enjoyable to to be a part of that. Um, yep. So. so, tell us more. Uh, Miriam referred to this Alum deal. Um, you were talking before the show about this wonderful possibility you were bringing together and helping mentor. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, with apartment um, blocks and solar, the big challenge is that. As Miriam said before, you want to put on a decent-sized solar system so that yep. your in, your cost per unit comes down. And knowing that putting solar systems on apartment blocks is going to be more expensive in general than putting them on individual houses because you've got long cable runs, you've got cable runs through common areas, you've got to make sure everything is really, really well done. Yep. So there's not a lot of point in even trying to just go to the cheapest mob down the road because you're not going to get a, anything like that's fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. So you want a, a decent-sized solar system. You really want to share that across as many apartments as possible. Now, there are a few ways that you could do that. Number one is an embedded network, as Miriam talked about, and that means that um, a new single metre is put in at the front of the whole apartments, mm-hmm. and then all of the apartments have new individual metres, but they're treated as one entity, one big entity, from the point of view of buying and selling energy to the grid. Yep. And then there's the individual metering is managed by an embedded network company. That's one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. As Miriam said, it's really expensive to retrofit new metres. Yes. And that, that's a challenge. If you're in a new, brand new apartment block, embedded network can make a lot of sense. Most apartment, existing apartment blocks already have fabulous, highly expensive smart meters that we've all paid for. And the question is, why can't we use those? And the answer is because the, the regulations, the regulator has said that um, essentially it's up to the local distributor. The local distributor doesn't want to play ball. Um, and if they do play ball, what they're going to do is charge each apartment, the full network tariff mm. to transfer energy from the roof yeah. up there down through one metre and out through the next metre. Yes. <laughs> Just crazy. Yeah. 
with uh, and Miriam's done. They don't done, get it, do they? They're not moving forward. That, well, well, I think they, they get do it. get it. Yeah. They get it. All right. They don't want to be left out. Of Miriam the has done some <laughs> fabulous lobbying um, with Lily D'Ambrosio and and others to try and and help us get through this impasse. Um, but unfortunately, I think it's a number of years off. And there was a recent ruling by the AEMC that that has put a stop to virtual net metering, probably at least for another few years, mm-hmm. or something like it. So we're looking for a way around it. And um, the, there's a group of bright young things that I'm helping to mentor who are working in at Carlton Connect, Melbourne Universities, and the, the Melbourne Accelerator Program, and I'm helping to mentor them. Uh, they run a company called Alum Energy, and they're working on this challenge and also the the equivalent or, or the same challenge in low-income housing developments. Mm-hmm. They've come up with a technical solution and it's a, it, it effectively is a, a wired solution to enable power to be shared from one large solar array among among the, the units. It's not yet fully technically proven and uh, Miriam, uh, no, I hope she doesn't mind me describing her this, like this, is, is the guinea pig. Or, um, <laughs> but it, it's a fairly easy, um, it, it's a very low-risk scenario where yeah. we're utilising the existing solar PV um, there in a trial um, to work behind the metres. So the plan mm. is, uh, by the way, I should say, in case they're listening, our owners' corp has to actually vote on this oh, next yeah. week. <laughs> but we're hoping that they'll agree to... Yeah, subject to approval. We're pretty confident that they'll agree to go ahead with a trial. So the first step is to test the, the equipment and make sure it works with just three apartments. Uh, they're going to test it out for a month, six weeks, because Christmas coming and all that. And if the test is successful, we're going to roll it out to the rest of the apartments. Exciting times. So what is it? Is this new hardware that this mob have built? Or? Yes, it, it's new hardware, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, it's essentially a little control system, um, and, and I really can't say any any more than that. Uh, one You're one thing. You're disappointing our technical <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd have to have um, have Cam and Nick and Co from from Alum here to mm-hmm. to talk the technical side. I'm helping to mentor them more on the business side. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say, though, is it is very dependent on having really good data, as we men- mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And one of the the great things we've done at Nicholson Gardens is we put really good metering on, not at the individual apartment level, but we're metering, the, obviously, the solar production. We're metering the common areas consumption, and we're metering the total consumption by the overall apartments. Mm-hmm. And that goes up to a website, which is available mm-hmm. to everyone to look at, has really nice heat maps and things like that of, of when the power is being used during the day. So we have a really good idea. We've got nearly two years' worth of data mm. for the whole building, which has been very helpful for the guys from Alum to model it so they can work out their cost. Is this going to work? Is it not going to work? And it's meant that we, hadn't, we didn't have to go to each individual apartment owner and say, please, can we have permission to use your interval data? Yes. And then add them all together to work out what size solar mm. system we might need. So obviously, though, um, when you talked about the difficulties of putting in um, an embedded network, um, this solution must be a lot easier technically to implement. Um, they're still going to have to go and wire something in at each apartment? or No. Um, the the uh, apartments at Nicholson Gardens, and this is pretty typical, have, are wired together so that all of the metres are in in a common area. Yep. So all of the wiring is done at the metres 
or, or adjacent yep. to the meters. Yep. So there's no need for them to go into each individual apartment, mm. and that's really important yeah. because so otherwise it's just prohibitively. Mm. We have four um, boards with our switch. So we have 92 switch boards, uh, yep. 92 meters, I should say. Four. They sit on four boards. There'll be one little box on each of the four boards, which will hook up to the meters on that board so the little box the magic that happens with the box (laughs) you'll have to get the techies on to explain Mm -hmm. the techies when the sun's shining if somebody's home using power it will direct the energy from the solar panel to the meter Mm. so it sits between the the solar panels and measure how much of that they use and also measure how much they use so we can send them a bill Mm. that sounds great so where can people find out more about um, these projects and uh, Miriam, I actually meant to ask, are you sticking with just doing your apartment or are you being involved more widely, um, Australia-wide, for advice on this? Yeah, so we first of all, we have to make sure it works and test it. We, that when we first started doing this, one of the things I wanted was that we could become a template for other people to copy. Mm-hmm. Smart Blocks is watching with great interest. As soon as we get this up and running and working, they're going to put it up on their website. We've already got the story up on SmartBlocks' website of where we're up to so far. Uh, I do talk to people. SmartBlocks actually connects me every now and again. They'll send me an email, say, oh, can you talk to this person, give them some advice? So we're already doing that. Um, yeah, I would hope that if we get this to work, that mm. this will be able to be copied by other apartments all over the place. This is, will be a first in Australia. Mm-hmm. And just uh, given the approval of the body cop, what are you, like, what's your timeline and expected? Well, the date? test, if we, we have our meeting next week and the committee says, yes, let's do a test, It'll take them about a month to get it set up, and then they want to run the test for about another month. Mm-hmm. But then, as I say, Christmas is coming, so it could well end up being sort of into January. Mm-hmm. The test goes well. That's all, uh, All everyone's happy with that. Then we would start rolling it out to other apartments. So hopefully by, you know, March, we'd have some customers and all that in place. Yes, a good idea of it. And uh, are you planning on putting a larger solar capacity on the roof as well, along with this? Our, um, we could, our daytime use, we could put up 40 kilowatts on the roof. That would cover our average daytime use. It's obviously a bit more on the weekend than the weekdays, this and that. If we and the future, we would like to put batteries in. Mm. If we put batteries in, we could have 100 kilowatts on the roof. Our roof is big enough to take it. 100 kilowatts would cover our full usage with batteries, but that's that's a few years down the yeah, track. Yeah. That's the long term so, plan. So, smartblocks.com.au is it? Um, I think so. If you just Google smartblocks, smart blocks. you'll get it. And your <laughs> your company, Ron? My company is Efficient Initiatives, which is a mouthful. Uh, efficientinitiatives.com.au. Okay, got a nice ring to it though. <laughs> Well, thank you both very much uh, for an enlightening and inspiring story. This is the BZE Show. BZE has published a, a sequence of reports showing how Australia can get to zero energy in 10 years, zero uh, fully renewables in 10 years. Um, started with the stationary energy report, the land use report, buildings plan, the renewable energy superpower more recently. Transport report has been broken down into a, a number of sub-reports. The high-speed rail was released at least a year ago. The news today is that the electric vehicle report is being released in Victoria on November 2. I don't actually have the venue, but if you go to the BZE site or follow social media, I believe it's not such a big venue, so you need to book to get into that. So set aside November the 2nd for the EV electric vehicles report by BZE. You've been listening to the BZE show. Uh, Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level.